We're all gathered here today to listen to a dwarf cast by Ganymede and Titan. Start the tape, please, Holly. Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Hello and welcome to a very special Ganymede and Titan Dwarfcast. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by not one but two legendary British comedy writers. You'll know one of them from the likes of The Berkis Way, End of Part 1, Strange, Dad and of course 2.4 Children. You'll know the other from stuff like Son of Cliché, Spitting Image, Dark Angels, The Strangerers, his novels, Colony, Incompetence and Fat. And as the co-creator of something called Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf, something like that. Anyway, together they've written the Quanderhorn experimentations in both radio and book form, and their new show, The Nether Regions, is on Radio 4 on Thursday, the 24th of October. Please welcome Andrew Marshall and Rob Grant. Hello, hello, Ian. Hi. Thank you very much for uh, being on the podcast, very much appreciated. Um, so, The Nether Regions, new show for Radio 4. Uh, for those that don't know, what's it all about? <laughs> <laughs> we look to each other. <laughs> It's, uh, what it was, was uh, we were working on um, a show with Lenny Henry for a, a, a television sketch show. And Andy and I have been working together, God knows how many years, eight years or something stupid. And um, we both sort of cut our teeth writing very successful sketch shows on Radio 4. And we hadn't done sketches in donkey's years. I hadn't no, done anything no, spitting image. And it just was enormous fun, and we thought, oh, that's interesting. We could come back to sketches and <clears throat> have a different sort of perspective. And I think sketches have changed quite a lot since we did our previous sketch shows. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're much more character-based, and, and, and uh, you get more, you know, uh, running characters mm. and things. And, there, and also, there's a whole new lot of uh, stuff to talk about. So it was really interesting. We had a lot of fun. Uh, generating quite a lot of material um, and we thought why not do a sketch show yeah and so um, we got a directive from Gordon Kennedy absolutely saying that this next round of Radio 4 offers uh, if you want to put anything in but they're not looking for sketch shows they definitely don't want sketch shows so don't give me a sketch show so we, we gave them a sketch show <laughs> and uh, starring us I mean we really didn't think you know there was mm. a cat in our chance to do it and uh, they said yeah lovely and so we were a bit surprised but we went away and we generated as Andy said tons and tons of material um, and recorded it all in one night. We didn't record it all, actually. We dropped a lot of stuff. But we had about two hours' worth of material mm. on the night because we wanted to see um, what kinds of things were working, what, and we wanted some running characters, so we wanted to see which of those would sustain and which the audience would take to. And uh, I know some of you were there. It was a fantastic night. Uh, it was like it was a mature show with a following. It was, it was very an amazingly strange. good audience. It the was audience really went for it. Yeah. yeah, it was it was astonishing. So it was it was one of the best nights of my life. It and was it, just it just gives you some idea of Rob's life. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, we were standing outside uh, just before the recording after the, it's a grueling day rehearsing and uh, and and I was having a cigarette, we were having a cigarette before we went on the show and uh, and I said, Timothy, why has nobody stopped us? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's how we felt, really. We thought, this is ridiculous. 
because it's a you know a complete sea change in our career um, at quite a late phase in it. Really. What's yeah? What's the thought process behind? Because I know you've done stand up before, Rob, but for both of you, performing is a it's quite the departure. Yeah. Um, well, it, you know when you been around and, and done a lot of stuff you kind of want new challenges and uh it's good to do something terrifying terrifying yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it really is because you you kind of find out new things about yourself yeah yeah especially about, in front of a like audience yeah, so you find that. out where to have your underwear washed yes <laughs> it was terrifying but then i didn't have any nerves actually on stage it was all before uh, I was nervous, but when I was on stage, it was just, you know, it's like, I remember I, I, I took my first uh, solo flight uh, as, as, as a pilot, I didn't, I wasn't very good, <laughs> which isn't a great, uh, a great way to, to, to take your solo flight, but um, you, you, your uh, instructor gets out and he says, change your captain, and uh, you, you take off and you think, well, one way or another, I'm coming down. <laughs> and, that's how, and you kind of relax, and that's that's how I felt about the show. And we did have some uh, some great other people in it, which was very good. Yes, I mean, stunning people. Well, we got Helen Helen Cripps um, got the part because we were auditioning Cassie Layton for um, Quanderhorn, and she did it over video. And uh, there was this uh, actor feeding in the lines, and we said, "Oh my God, she's really great!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so we we auditioned her for uh, Netheridges, and she is she's fantastic, Helen Group, and uh, Ed uh, Rowett, who's been a sort of mentee of mine for for years, a very talented young man, and uh, Holly, and Holly Morgan, yeah, and it turns out they're all they're all from Cambridge. <laughs> they were just it was a coincidence. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, they, they, they did the bits that, that are difficult. <laughs> the acting bits. Yeah, the acting bits. <laughs> Hel- Actually, we did throw everything difficult at Helen because she, she would come up with something. She's, she's amazing. She's going places. Hmm. Um, so, so for those that don't know, to kind of establish what the show is, it's, uh, it's loosely a... Uh, it's a parody of those old anthology shows? Yeah, it, shows. it's sort of a, a, a Twilight Zone, Outer Limits kind of thing, uh, which is the sort of unifying um, uh, the spine through it. Um, but it also sort of prompts the kind of stuff we do. It's all a bit strange and, uh, and just off a bit. Hmm. I don't know if we want to give away any... No, I don't think we do. Really. No. <laughs> Spoil the fun. Yeah, we don't want to alert the lawyers. This way. <laughs> it is, though. There is some uh, very... Uh, they, they were actually going to put it out at half past six at one point and then somebody listened to it. <laughs> so now it's on at half eleven because there is no slot at three in the I morning. Like, I like the idea that even though, you know, you might not be 23 anymore, you can still do stuff that's very edgy. Um, and I think it's it's interesting in that way. And the only thing they complained about was um, was a, a Meghan Markle <laughs> reference. <laughs> um, and that is, you know, I mean, in my experience, that is uh, royal family is one of the big complaint sources. Yeah. It's that and, and Elvis, I've found over the years. No, anything about anything about Elvis, ter- terrible trouble usually. No, really. Yeah. 
I don't know why. I've never had trouble with Elvis, and I've done a lot of Elvis. <laughs> Kings and princesses. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's a couple of sort of ideas and characters that are mentioned in the synopsis on yeah, the yeah. Radio 4 site, so I guess we can talk about those perhaps without spoiling too much. Um, old men talking shit. <laughs> that was meant to be the sort of central thing. It was uh, Andy and I doing uh, basically ourselves, but pretending to be characters. Sort of like twin Nick Ferraris. Really. <laughs> the idea of just bigoted old men who have ridiculous theories about something. Yeah, about, um, for instance, that type 2 diabetes was completely made up. And there was, there was a whole bunch of type 2 diseases that are coming up with type 2 measles with no spots and that kind of thing. Um, but it didn't make it to the final show. Um, we felt we hadn't quite nailed them as characters. No, really. I think it needs a little bit yeah. more development. We, we'd still like that, but yeah, no, that's not... And we had, it'd we be, had a it'd be quite a good title for the whole show, though, really, wouldn't it? Old <laughs> yeah. Shit. I mean, it, yeah, it would, that's, that's what it is. It wouldn't look good in the radio time. <laughs> <laughs> OK, uh, so there's, there's also The Angry Chef, Again, that didn't make it. Is that, no, no, no. I've given away the whole thing. <laughs> That's good, that though. Was that was in the original... Um, yeah, the proposal. I mean, a lot, a lot of the time when you're working uh, with the BBC, you give them proposals and then don't do it. That's, that's kind of part of the course. But that, that wasn't... Uh, it just didn't kind of work for us, really, as it was. We need, again, it needs something else. That is the, that is, that's what pilots are for, really, is to find out mm. what, what's working, what isn't, so you can tweak them and bring them back and, uh, in in a better form yeah um, but, but remember we did record something like three times as much material as, yeah. as, as we could fit into half an hour i mean even now we've we are actually literally up to the second 28 seconds the tw- dead the 28 minutes dead uh, and and gordon because i had to revoice the line the other day about Meghan markle which we won't go into uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's now worrying it might be like two seconds over or something because it's a slightly longer line so you know, it was quite. It was quite a hard job selecting uh, what to use, really. Yeah, there really. was just such a lot. Of we could stuff. have. We could have made two shows out. Yeah, we could have made two, maybe even two and a half shows. Yeah. And so obviously the the idea and the and the hope of it is this is a pilot. Hopefully it will lead to a series. And they can yeah sort of expand on some of those ideas. Unless somebody stops us. Yeah. Of those. Um, so you, you mentioned that it's been a while since you did sketches. Did you find it difficult to sort of slip back into that style? No, it, it just felt really natural because we'd sort of tried it with the, the Lenny thing. And Lenny's brilliant for ideas. He, we, we had a great time working with him. The show didn't come off, unfortunately. But um, no, we, we, that's, that's what spurred us on. We thought, oh, this is so much easier than writing really complex science fiction <laughs> plots with intertwining story arts it's uh, you know it's just there's a blank page and, and, and you fill it and then move on yeah just not having to worry about the story which can get increasingly complicated particularly we're, in Quandahorn where it's, it's half, very very complicated we're, we're two thirds of the way through writing the new Quandahorn series and it's doing already yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I was going to ask about Quandahorn um because yeah, it's, it's been it's been over a year since the, the radio series and the book came out. Is and yeah, my next question was going to be, are you working on it? But evidently you are. Yeah, no, they they commissioned it actually before they commissioned the second series 
before the first one had finished going out, uh, which is quite, I mean, it shows, unusually for the Beeb, some kind of enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we started working it on it uh, three, four months ago. And we're, uh, it's really hard, it's that sort of second album syndrome when you have to, and we'd, we'd so enjoyed uh, doing the nether regions. We kind of just wanted to do that, really, and we wanted, no, we got to write the drum, and, uh, uh, but then we got into it, and now we don't want to write the Renaissance regions anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Rewinding your mind to another project is is is, is harder mm -hmm. than you think, because you really it, it's hard to explain really, but it does occupy a lot of your thoughts day and night, really, yeah. in, in, in a subconscious sort of way, and you, and you get into a sort of groove about it. I've I've had this for years, and I've tried to explain to my wife that I'm actually working when I'm, I appear to be sitting watching telly and eating Pringles. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's all going on in the back of my mind. It's all cooking in there. But do you get this, like, when you go out late with some people and, and, and they say, well, I've got to work tomorrow, and they kind of, the implication is you're not really working tomorrow at all. It's kind of not No, real, I, I, not I don't go out with people, work. though, so that's, <laughs> that's probably why. But, no, I remember people feeling like that. It's not, it's, it's really hard work, exhausting. Um, so what's your writing process like as a partnership? Do you sit down together? Yeah, I mean, I think Andy wasn't used to writing this way before. I'm not sure many other people do it like this, but we actually, uh, we he's he's in Pinner and I'm in North London, and we um, we Skype each other because you know just speaking doesn't really. Most language is actually visual, most of what you understand from someone. Um, and uh, we have a, a, a screen app, sharing app called Zoom, um, and we can both type on the same script at the same time, and we, we discuss every line and write every line together. And uh, that way, you know, you, you get it so it's something you're both happy with, and uh, you can defend, because... Uh, if some actor says, "Well, he wouldn't do this," and you say, "No, he does that because of this," and, and and you've already thought it through, and it's a, I think it's probably a slightly slower way of working and taking. Most people discuss it together, take it away. He does one scene, he does another, and they then swap them and 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 rewrite. Yeah, that's them. how I used to work with David Renwick all those years ago. Yeah, but I, I think this is a, this creates a, a separate voice really. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, we, we wouldn't do either of these projects the same if we were doing them on our own. I mean, I think it's a, it's a lot like a marriage, really. You, you, you have a certain amount of common ground, which is very useful, and then you have a certain amount of non-common ground of, of different kind of... So you're bringing different things to the party. You're bringing different things, and it's, uh, it's always very interesting. I, the, Rob and I, what comes out of Rob and I is quite different to what used to come out of David and I, or Rob on his own, or me on my own. It's an entirely different sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a separate entity. Yeah. Did you, you write the, did you write the book of um, Quandahol in that way as well? Yes. Yeah. And we wrote it simultaneously with the radio show. Because <laughs> it wasn't hard enough. As if it wasn't hard enough. <laughs> We're not doing that this time. We're leaving the second book for a short while. Because but it, that was it, quite good, though. It was good, but it really was mind-bogglingly. I mean, the thing about writing a book is... There's so many bloody words. <laughs> <laughs> and 
it's honestly, it's like there's this giant cardboard box in the corner of the room and you look at it and think, I've got to eat all that. Like, you can only do it a bit at a time. Um, but the writing the book informed the radio series and vice versa, we changed things in each and it made them both richer. The tone of the book is, is, is more serious than the, the radio and, and sort of because you can go into more detail and it's, it has to be... Um, it has to make sense and be thought through. Yeah, we had this notion of, uh, I can't remember how exactly we, we, we were expressive, you know the platonic notion that there is an ideal version of something and everything is just like a an angle on it. A, a, an attempt to, to reach that. So, so every table is trying to be the perfect table. The perfect table. table. So the, there is an ideal quantum somewhere and the book is one kind of expression of it and the yeah. radio show is a different perhaps slightly simpler expression of it, but they're not... And the TV show would be different again. the TV again. show would be different again, and the movie <laughs> series. And the, and the play. Yeah. <laughs> the musical. The musical. Yeah. I, I've, been, I've been trying for years to get Andy to write a play with me, but he always he can only think of musicals. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think the advantages and disadvantages are of writing in a partnership versus writing solo? Uh, well, when one's depressed, the other isn't quite so depressed, usually. But, <laughs> but when one's depressed and the other's more depressed. But yeah, you, you, can, you lift each other up. You also have this regular thing where you've got to be there and working because you've made an arrangement. Mm. Um, so, so it sort of forces that work ethic on you. Also, you can't make yourself laugh, but you can make somebody else laugh, and that's makes more fun. We both make ourselves laugh. <laughs> but yeah, it is it's much better when we're both laughing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, some days you think, it, this isn't work at all, this is the most fun I've ever had. Yeah. And, uh, there are certain lines that Rob finds amazingly funny, even that, and me, but they're not the same, are they? Completely different things. But uh, we have a lot of fun. We, yeah, we, we, we laugh a lot. We do well. Well, what, what a great job! Mainly that, when it? the mainly when the checks come in. <laughs> <laughs> those those the laughter accompanied by tears. The, I, I should say <laughs> when the checks used to come in. <laughs> um, both Quandahorn and the Nether Regions uh, were produced by Gordon Kennedy, um, yeah. very experienced uh, radio producer, very very funny person as well. Um, what's he like to to work with, both as writers and now as performers as well? Will he be listening to this, do you think? I don't. <laughs> yeah. he, he's actually bloody magnificent. He, nothing's too much trouble for him. Um, he takes it all on his shoulders. He makes everything smooth. He's great. You know, he, we know him from way back. He used to be in the Absolutely... Well, he still is in the radio show, isn't he? The Absolutely crowd. And, and we were friends with them for ages. I adore them. And um, uh, he, he, he's, he's our go-to guy. He is an excellent producer in every way. I, I can't think of any producer I've ever worked with who, who was better, really. How much did he pay you? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, because he's Scots. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is. He's magnificent, and uh, we, we were really lucky to have him. Did he help you sort of um, find your voices as performers as well? Well, he was sort of technically the director. Yeah. He was very gentle and kind. Yes. He was just saying things like, Rob, can you speak so other people can hear? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of gentle prompt. 
<laughs> might be better if you face the microphone <laughs> rather than having yeah, it back yeah. to your <laughs> One thing I noticed as well, uh, Rob, during the recording is uh, you had a habit of mouthing along to everyone else's lines. Oh, did I? Which is, <laughs> which is something that Craig Charles does on Red Dwarf as well. You yeah. can actually see him do it. Thankfully, this is radio. So. Doing that? <laughs> oh, my God. Cause I've always done that. You know, when I'm producing shows, I used to go around the backstage at Red Dwarf just doing everyone's lines for a, um, I, I wasn't fit to be seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know I did that, my God. I have to <laughs> keep it out. Well, at least I know the script. Yeah, you don't. If we mentioned Red Dwarf, there's a, there's oh, a no. gear change. For <laughs> Sorry about this, Andrew. But, um, no yeah. problem, Richard. Um, so, you, obviously, your association with Red Dwarf has, has changed over the years, but you do you seem a bit more active and a bit more visible um, in the last couple of years. So, for example, you went to Dimension Jump for the first time in a while uh, last year. How was that for you? It was such a fabulous experience. Um, I hadn't been to a convention since, I think, 94 or something. And uh, um, it's because Paul Jackson came on the board of Grant Naylor, um, you know, who produced the original series. And he said, let's, let's all do Dimension Jump. And uh, we invited Ed as well. And uh, it was just great uh, to have all those people who, who really like what you do. It's, there's no feeling like it. And uh, that was our, our, our session at the end when we uh, did the voiceover for uh, the sort of DVD voiceover <laughs> for, um, for the first show live. Uh, it was just such fun. It was fabulous. And, and since then, actually, I've had great feedback from a lot of the fans I met saying thank you very much and how much it meant to them and I, I, I loved it, it was great. Well we, um, I say we, Joe, organised uh, that convention and we sort of deliberately kept you back as a surprise and there was, um, in this sort of opening ceremony on the Friday, um, no one, we said that we had some secret guests but no one knew who they were and as soon as your name was mentioned, the place Went, just went into meltdown. Everyone was just screaming, uh, like, in a good way, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had like a roster of all the people on the screen and um, we were just revealing them by one and there was three gaps in the middle and everyone's like, three guests you haven't mentioned? Three? And then we mentioned who they all were. And, you could just, and everyone was just, kind yeah. of just murmuring, just, and we've got a recording, so it's, um, it's unbelievable. Oh, I'd like to hear that. Yeah, I'll, I can get you a copy. It's like this, this kind of murmur of like, What's going on? And it's like, by and Ron Grantler, the the rooms exploded. It absolutely exploded. Well, I think the secret is just don't go to them for (laughs) just make yourself rare. (laughs) Keep them thirsty. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, since then, um, Red Dwarf came back earlier this year in quite an unexpected way um, with adverts for the AA, and you were on set, pictured on set on Red Dwarf. Yeah, first time. For it was a very strange experience, just just because I arrived very early and no one else was around, and was walking around the Starbucks set, and uh, it was like a trip back in time, really for me, and seeing the boys all in cosy, and it was like you know no time had passed at all really, except they all looked older. No, they don't, they don't look that much older. No, yeah, that's true. I do. Especially <laughs> <laughs> Look like <laughs> I don't know how he does that. His face is so skin smooth. Um, what did you have any input into those ads? Uh, they, they they paid lip service to uh, 
what I said. Um, I told them they'd fucked up the tag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they had. In what way? Well, that whole thing, like, um, you, you see a hand pressing the ejector button and then the guy gets ejected. I said, that's, it's comedy 101. Don't, don't, you know, show that. And then, you know, have a, have a, go to the wide shot outside and then show women coming out. But, um, it was too late, I'm afraid. <laughs> the comedy police not being listened to. <laughs> um, At their own peril. <laughs> so with, with the fact that you were involved in that, what exactly is your relationship with Red Dwarf at the moment? Do you have any input into what happens with the show? Well, only f uh, from a, um, a board point of view. I'm, I'm sort of on the board and... I'm not involved in making these new specials. What are the chances of you um, writing for Red Dwarf again in any capacity? Uh, it's still unsure. I would like to. Mm. Um, and there may be some opportunities. Um, uh, we're talking to Penguin at the moment about reissuing all the books with new covers on. Um, and so it might be the time to talk to them about a new novel. You have mentioned, yeah, I think you mentioned it, Dimension Jump, that you'd like to do a lot. Have you, is there a specific idea that's knocking about in your head? No, but, you know, it's like Coward of the County, 20 years of crawling bottled up inside me. I've got plenty <laughs> to, uh, to bring. So um, it would be, it would be a, an interesting thing to do. And is it, is it still the case that you haven't watched any Red Dwarf since you left? I've seen, I saw a couple of uh, series seven, so, but I, the problem was I had to get so drunk to watch them, they didn't make any sense to me, so there was no point. I mean, uh, it's fair to say that for some episodes of, of Red Dwarf, that <laughs> since you left, that would be the case regardless. Yeah, well, I was kind of, I didn't want to know, you know. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I never watched them. However, do you ever go back and can bring Andrew back into the fold as well? Do you ever, <laughs> am I still here? <laughs> do you ever go back and, and watch your your old stuff? Because you know you've both had careers that have lasted thirty or forty years. Well, I'm talking again, but uh, <laughs> two point four children is on telly now. It's on. Yeah, it's and it's on it's on demand on now TV as well. Um, yeah, I do sometimes, and uh, but you have to remember that when we look back at shows, it's not the same thing as when somebody who hasn't written them looks looks, yeah. and we look at them quite differently and think, oh, I could have done that better most of the time. Mm. So you can't really enjoy them. You just um, see the faults. You just it, yeah. think, oh, I wish I'd done that better, largely. Well, that's that's what I think anyway. Rob, but that's just the, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, oh my god, how do I think of that? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. People constantly ask me things about two point four children, and I just don't remember. It was just a very long time ago, and we were just rushing to make the show. You know, you just we were just getting on with it. It was quite prolific, wasn't it? Two point four. The amount of episodes in relative, like it was throughout the nineties, really, wasn't it? Yeah, like, it was exactly that throughout the nineties. Seven or eight episodes a year, every year. Yeah, there were eight series over ten years, yeah. and 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 five five Christmas specials. I think. Yeah, was, and, and I was doing other special. series in between the subtypes, <laughs> so you can see why I can't always remember <coughs> what happened. Yeah. Um, 
But um, yeah, it's I kind of like listening to the Burke as well. I enjoy listening to that again because I don't remember anything about doing that at all. <laughs> it's just like listening to something completely new to me almost. Yeah, I know. And you think, oh, that's quite good. Yeah, often I did that with. I, I meet up with Nick Maloney, who was in um, Son of Cliche. Uh, I meet him quite often. Um, and he, he's always reminded me of sketches that I've completely forgotten. <laughs> and I think, oh, yeah, oh, God, that sounds great. There was, uh, there was one he, he was talking about, um, which was a Russian guy who'd learned all his English from uh, dirty magazines <laughs> um, at, at, a, at a reception. And I remember it, you know, when he said it, but uh, I, for all these years, I'd completely forgotten about it. Is there, is there anything um, from your over over the many years that you think you look back and think I wish that had have taken off in the same way as Red Dwarf and 2.4 Children did is there anything that you feel yeah was, I was, was I, I was very upset Strange never continued it was it was going very very well and um, for some I think it was one of those channel uh, controllers changing over moments and uh, mm. the, the, the new one didn't like it for some reason or other and which was a shame because it would. I With think that it cast was, as well. Yeah, it had a fantastic cast and a really good concept, and it, it was very upsetting to me that didn't continue. But we've all got these things in our past that we wish went on but didn't. But you can't really, you can't really mope about, yeah. you know, and worry about things like that. It, it, it's better to just think, what am I going to do next? Really. Yeah, for me it was the Strangers and uh, Dark Ages particularly because that had a fantastic cast. Yeah, uh, th- yeah, both of those are very nearly 20 years old. Uh, anniversaries of both of them coming up. I was looking at the other day, actually. <laughs> they both aired really close to each other as well. Yeah. Uh, Dark Age was uh, December 99, yeah. and then Stranger started February yeah. 2000. Yeah. How, that was a busy year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, um, the cast as well. Dark Star. Uh, Dark Ages, um, Phil Jupiter, Phil Jupiter, McGowan, Paulie McLean. The Strangers had people. It had big stars at the time, like Mark Williams and, and Jack Duffy. But then people like Sarah Alexander, Mark Heath, David Williams became big afterwards as well. And Paul Darrow, of course, from Blade uh, Seven, that was yeah. great working with it. It was also Strangers was what Sky One's first. Comedy commission as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I killed a lot of comedy <laughs> commission. And it caused me a lot of trouble. I don't know if you knew this, but you stole the director from Two Before Children, Nick Wood, <laughs> leaving leaving us with a terrible problem as to replace him with. I did not know that. Yeah, that's right. He went I know, I know he worked on it. He, went, he went off to do it and uh, well, he wanted to do something different. Chance to work with Rob Grant. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> How could I compete with that? It was very difficult to replace him. Yeah, because uh, uh, Two of Our Children is a, is a strange show. It seems to be very simple, but it's it's got sort of nuances underneath. It's very difficult to actually get right if you don't really understand what's going on in it. Um, what current comedy are you enjoying at the moment? Oh, that's quite hard. I like The Good Place. Yeah, mm. yeah, very much agreed. <laughs> We're supposed to say uh, Fleabag, we're supposed, aren't Fleabag we? but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Fleabag. I don't know why. I just don't seem to want to see it. I, everyone right? tells me I should see it, and I will. Because I, I, I quite like Killing Eve, the first season, mm. which she wrote. And uh, I'm aware, it's when things are really, really trendy, and everyone says you must see them. For some reason, that always puts me off seeing them because I think 
I'm not sure whether I'll be able to judge it properly. Yet. Yeah, yeah, and also you're terrified. This but is I won't honestly, like it. And yeah, that I won't like it. And, yeah. and, and I'll be out of touch. Yeah, and then I'll be old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know what else. Um, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, anything else that's... Current? Kind of made me laugh. No, no, I don't think there is really. It's funny because the way... I watch telly, I think the way most people watch telly is, is completely changed now. Mm. When, when you get a smart TV, I, I never watch live telly unless it's sports. My TV is smarter than I am, which is what worries me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you watch everything on streaming, don't you? Yeah, streaming? everything. And, then, and you watch it in binges and things, so it's an entirely different experience really, isn't it? Yeah. And when, when we, and you, you said this the other day, when, when we were, well, even in the 80s, um, a film would come out, and if you didn't see it then, you may never have had a chance to see it again. They no, think it was that. just gone. Uh, before you tell young people this. Yeah. <laughs> so the telly shows. <laughs> the telly show would go on once, and if you missed it, too that bad. It, yeah. yeah. Unless you'd got one of those newfangled recorder things. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Andrew, is it true? Is this no, it isn't. No. <laughs> that um, Douglas Adams based Marvin the Paranoid Android on you. He says so. <laughs> oh, well, he doesn't these days so much. But it's <laughs> kind of quiet. <laughs> the, the Marvin actor died, didn't he, this week? He did. Poor old Stephen. Yeah, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Although I thought, um, who played him in the in the movie? It was Alan, uh, Alan Rickman. He was very good as well. It's obviously a part that you don't survive. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> I keep hoping that they'll call on me to sort of replace them, but it never really happens. <laughs> no, Douglas said so uh, a lot, <laughs> uh, and I can't really add anything to that because I have no perspective on it at all, other than what Douglas said. <laughs> Do you think it's a, a fair? Assessment of your your character at the time. No, in some ways, yes, probably. Uh, but it's a facet of yourself. You know, it's not your whole self. I mean, I mean, we all use people around us. As I mean, I, I do myself. Yeah, shameless we are. Absolutely, but you, you can never trust being around with a writer because they're always thinking. What, but what we can do, I use out of this personality? You do, yeah. You do find that when you do take people, and, and they never know. They never, they don't recognise themselves. No. Any notable examples in your work? Well, if we said that, yeah. they'd know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember a, a, a rap party on one of the uh, seasons of Red Dwarf. Chris was doing impressions of the of the crew and everyone, and he he, he just did this one. This guy was walking around smoking. And coffee, and everyone was laughing and falling. I was like, Who the "Fuck, is that meant to be? It's me." <laughs> <laughs> so I hate it. <laughs> Speaking of that, <laughs> do you um, think? Do you think I could sue the the Hitchcocker's estate? Do you think I could get a fortune out of that? I probably could, couldn't I? That'd be a nice thing to do. Yeah, that, that, that dear little girl. <laughs> Apparently, the, it was originally called Marshall, and then they changed it to Marvin. Yeah, uh, I've never heard that. I didn't know that. That's a better story. <laughs> I mean, I do know. Um, I remember being in the captain's cabin, which oh, I should explain is a pub round the back of uh, a studio they used to have called the Paris, mm. where they recorded Hitchhiker. And I think we've been doing um, 
maybe Burkesware weekending or something, and Douglas showed me a draft of of Hitchhiker to it gave me a draft to read, and all I remember saying was, I think you're going to be very famous because it was obviously brilliant. But looking back, I do wonder whether he'd showed me it to see whether I recognised <laughs> it. <laughs> but I didn't. Uh, all I thought was that it was it, a brilliant piece of work, and it, you know. It's, um, I mean, he was a very, very clever man. Um, you mentioned weekending. Mm. That's a really interesting. It's really interesting. So many great writers have, have come through there. Uh, who who were your contemporaries on there? Uh, oh, now you are asking a lot mm. of people. Really, would it be Rory and Jimmy? Rory and Jimmy were a little bit later. Um, no, I think that most of the people who are my contemporaries kind of um, disappeared again. Colin Bostock-Smith, John Mason, of course, who, who did the first series of Burkers with us and then decided he wanted to be an actor and then decided he wanted to be a professor uh, <laughs> uh, who died quite recently. Um, he, he was a lovely man. Um, Chris Miller, um, who I haven't heard of for a long time, um, probably less me. Probably Rob. Uh, probably Rob's time. Well, I didn't. I never did weekend. No, you didn't do. It. We I, did Hudlines. I did Hudlines. Yeah, I think they're completely different. I think uh, Hudlines was better training because it had an audience, so it mm. trained you to get the laughs. And because, uh, as you know, when you go in front of an audience, it's a very sharp lesson. Yes. Um, and you, you remember every laugh you didn't get and, yeah. you, and you do not want to do that again. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess Spitting Image, when you, you and Doug were running Spitting Image, it was a, a similar kind of thing, a big writing team, lots of people contributing sketches. You brought a lot of talent through on, on Spitting Image as well, didn't you? Yeah, the, the, a, a lot of boys uh, and girls came through. Um, Andy Riley, who lives down the road, uh, Cecil and Riley, and um, oh God, so many. Um, Ian Hislop and Nick Newman. Yeah, and we had to, um, we had the sort of central core writing team, which was Nick and Ian and uh, uh, John Doherty and, and uh, Murray Hunter from Absolutely, and Jeff Atkinson um, were, were the sort of main ones. And then James Henry and uh, used to come in and uh, for um, topicals, um, but we also had to read everything that was sent in, submitted, and as the show got more and more successful, uh, there was more and more stuff, and you didn't want to miss, you know, a gem. Mm. But uh, it, as it got more successful, it was just a ridiculous amount of, of crap that came through. I mean, honestly, ninety-nine percent of it, you wouldn't use as toilet paper. <laughs> but you, you had to stick it out for the 1% that yeah. worked. And um, the rumours currently, I think maybe more than rumours actually, the spitting images being pitched around again. I keep hearing it's actually on, but, but is it not? I don't, uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's sort of articles about it in the press mm. and things. But. I think currently it's being touted, like there's a proposal that's been put together. Do you think it would work now? Um, it would work if they could spend the money on it, it cost such a lot of money back then, God knows what it would cost now. And you'd have to start from scratch, you'd have, you know, no puppets to start with and you need mm. to build the essential ones. Um, so it would be a very costly endeavour. Do you think there's a, there's a difficulty with 
sort of political satire in general at the moment that everything is far too ridiculous to there is there is that but I also think times have changed in terms of what you're allowed to do uh, in comedy um, you couldn't do um, Roy Hattersley stammering and spitting because that's you know that's taking the piss out of a disability it's not acceptable anymore and most of spitting in these took the piss out of those kind of things you know people who were too sure or, um, so it would be a, it's, it's not the time right now I don't think that kind of uh, satire what Spirit of Gimmage um, did give you uh, was a number one single <laughs> how ridiculous is that looking back on your career to be able to <laughs> it's absolutely insane it was an insane moment um, and the bizarre thing was that, that Doug and I both we sat down one Sunday before lunch and said right let's write a number one single <laughs> that was it very rarely works it very rarely works so I don't know why we didn't try it again um, but it, it, it was it, it went to number one it's it outsold Hey Jude in this country it's just it's just crazy um, and we did um, we did Top of the Pops and we, we were directing the, our own uh, segment because Michael Hill didn't know how to direct it <laughs> And we were getting set up, and Billy Ocean officially complained that the puppets were trying to put him off. <laughs> I don't know if anyone had the bullets to explain to him <laughs> that they weren't real, but... But when the going gets tough. <laughs> hey, yeah. So that was, that was a, a surreal uh, time in my career. Yeah. Uh, we were looking for houses, uh, Kath and I, uh, at the time, we were looking at one in Lewisham, and there's this bunch of girls in, in, in the bedroom where, where we were looking in their bedroom rather rudely. Um, and they were playing the chicken song and dancing. And I said, I wrote this. And they went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is the perfect holiday song. It really genuinely is. It's just one of those things. But didn't you see there was, there was an article yesterday in the papers where these women were, were talking about uh, men in black and they were trying to remember some aspect of the plot, and, and the guy who actually wrote the screenplay happened to be behind them and said, I can clear that up for you. <laughs> and, and they replied, we don't need your input, you, you old uh, white mansplainer. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the, uh, there's, there's been a thing where uh, people have been tweeting uh, JK Rowling and telling her what they think that Snape was doing, even though she wrote the books. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she writes the books and goes, no, it was not that. It was, it was, she wrote it. <laughs> so anyway, would you like to hear my theory about Lister's appendix? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, in fact, there's, there's one thing that I definitely wanted to, to mention. One of your most famous and notorious uh, aspects of your career, Rob, a few years ago now, you appeared on um, Celebrity Who Wants to Be a Millionaire as Martin Kemp's brother friend. <laughs> Good God, you've done some deep research. <laughs> How did that come about? Uh, he's a mate. And, uh, <laughs> he, he, he thought I was clever, and I'm not. <laughs> um, I didn't actually. I didn't actually see uh, it myself. Did you manage to answer the question? I got it right, but he didn't trust me. Oh. How do you know Martin Kemp? He used to be a neighbour. Oh, right. So our kids grew up together. So I know Roman very well. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, 
Right, on that note. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so Nether Regions, uh, just to reiterate, BBC Radio 4, Thursday, 24th October, 11pm or 11.30? 11.30. 11pm. 11pm, oh my god, they would have missed it if they listened to me. <laughs> <laughs> but you can catch up on iPlayer and yes, sound. BBC Sound. BBC Sounds. Have you had, have you had training of, of what to say for those calls to action <laughs> as the stars of the show? I just find that very difficult to take in still, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, please uh, do tune into that. Um, I've, me and Joe are both at the recording and, yeah, very highly recommended. As you say, so much material that could have gone into it, so... We're, we're, very, we're very pleased and proud of it, I think it's... A yeah, even if we never get to do it again, yeah. it was a great <laughs> evening. It was and great. thanks to everyone who came. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, uh, one thing we haven't you you did wear, even though it was for radio, you did have very special costumes on the night as well. And you explain? Andy bought me a very sparkly, glittery <laughs> showbiz jacket. And uh, he had one himself, a different one. And uh, where, where else am I going to wear it, really? <laughs> it's not... Because the theory, Andy's theory, and it's from, I think, Remy Corbett. Yeah. Wear something... High contrast. High contrast that makes you stand out on stage. I was wearing, the other day we were, we were writing, and I was wearing a very brightly coloured jumper, and Rob said, that would be great on stage. And I said, Rob, I'm gay, everywhere is on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Not so great when you have to look at it on the screen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, when you listen to the Nether Regions um, on, on Thursday, just just picture the sparkly jackets and uh, that, that will enhance the comedy. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, do tune into that. Um, thank you everyone for listening, and until next time, Ed bye everybody. Ed bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye.